Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon Podcast. Canadian events for the regular people. Welcome to the Canadian Beacon Podcast, episode number six. Wow. Tonight we have our co-host Todd and our guest co-host Jeff. Um, (laughs) Jeff is speaking to us from one coast and we're speaking from central uh, Canada. Jeff's enjoying uh, the luxuries of the the sunny Vancouver uh, atmosphere right now. And we're sitting here in in darkness while he's in a nice sunlit Stanley Park watching all the nude sunbathers. I don't think that happens, but who knows. So a couple of things I've been reading lately, guys. Uh, Just on the news, uh, there's a a Nunavut uh, man named Robert Joni. Uh, He got lost up in... uh, up in the Arctic, uh, he had guns with him, shells, food, and a knife, and also a lighter oh, and, a, and, a, and a can of Pepsi. And he got lost in the fog, and he was being hunted by uh, polar bears. After about two or three days, he finally was found by a, a civil air search and rescue that uh, spotted him, and, and they had to bring a helicopter in to pick him up. But lo and behold, coincidentally, he just happens to be an actor for the CBC, too. So I don't know if it was a it was one of these things where uh, he's looking for a little press or something to that effect. But uh, when I saw the story, a couple of things came to mind. I thought, like, what do, does a polar bear cub say to its mother at mealtime? Oh, no, not people for dinner again. <laughs> oh, that's, man. That was grown. That's grown. Yeah. And you know what, you know what a polar bear uh, says when it sees a, a person in a sleeping bag, eh? Oh boy, sandwiches. <laughs> uh, what do you get when you cross a polar bear with a, a, a person? Lunch. Please, you get a Please polar t- bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I get that one. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and the United Nations just had another one out. They said, you just heard of uh, global warming is uh, affecting. Uh, the northern climates, it's so bad the the polar bears are panhandling for spare ice now. Oh, oh make it stop. I know, that's my repertoire <laughs> of polar bear jokes. I'm sorry, that's, that's about it. That's, uh, uh, that's pretty good, Craig. Yeah, that's, uh, just wow. a few of those. Just another reminder uh, for everybody out there, this is uh, another day of the detainees, Canadians, Michael Kovig and Michael... Spagavar in uh, China for in relation to the RCMP's arrest of uh, Meng Wazhou, and that's been going on since 2018. So they're in uh, they're living in horrible conditions uh, in uh, Chinese prison while she lives in a luxury house not too far from where you are right now, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a reminder, everybody, that, that that's still out there and still happening. So. Tonight's uh, program, we're going to have a, a few different things to talk about, and uh, one of them is, and just happens to be, about China. And uh, I'm going to let uh, Todd kick in here and see what we can uh, stir up. Yeah, well, we we decided we were going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, we decided that, you know, we wanted to talk about China because we did the, the, the podcast the other week about 
you know, Canada and how we're viewed from the rest of the world. China seems to be a big part of Canadian politics and business, as it is with many countries in the world. I think we should really seriously examine our relationship with China, how it affects our country, because I've dug into it a little bit. Actually, it's quite concerning, even from what we can see from everyday news about China's growing belligerence, you know, uh, influence in the world. You've got to remember, the way I look at it, China is the world's largest prison camp. You have 80 million people that are Communist Party of China members controlling the other 1.6 billion people who, you know, experience varying degrees of um, uh, control, sort of standard of living. Uh, Jeff, you've, you yourself have traveled there, right? Yeah, we have a, an office in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've been around China a bit. You know, I don't, it's hard to say. You know, the thing is, what it does is it breeds the, the, the way that the government there is. We would, if we went there, we would die because we would just don't deal with shit like that. It's like, it's like me uh, trying to live in that hotel room while I'm under this 14-day quarantine. If I was absolutely stuck in that quarantine, uh, I would pull my hair out. Thank God I get to go out on my bicycle because yeah, it's, that's the way I was brought up, you know, a little bit of freedom. And in China, they actually are brought up thinking that that's the way it is. And so we have trouble actually hiring people, not just in China, but in Taiwan and Singapore and et cetera, because they're, they're a lot of very similar to China. The Taiwanese will not like me saying that, but they are. But we have trouble hiring people that actually think for themselves. Like they sit there and the, you hire them, they know what they're doing. And you say, can you do this for us? And they just sit there and wait. And they'll, if it's anything out of, they would have to think out of the box or anything that you have to tell them exactly what to do. And they can do it really well. So that's why they can, they are good at replicating things. They're good at, taking something and pulling it apart and reverse engineering it. But to actually think on their own, it's pretty tough for them. And that's the culture there. And I, it, it's, it's, it's sad, but it's just been uh, read into them over the years. It's like the uh, domestic cow, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Similar to uh, and, and, and the Soviet Union was like that too, wasn't the socialists and the, the, the workers and the, the, and the Russian uh, Federation and that kind of thing. Well, you know, we were talking about Yugoslavia. Yeah. Maybe we're going to talk about it later, but, you know, it's quite a bit different because the people, they're actually quite creative, those people. Especially poor people are really creative, like really creative because they need to be. It's more of a practical thing. Stone soup is a good example. (laughs) Well, I like it. There's this this one thing where the guy is separating out the size of uh, apples or potatoes, I can't remember. And, they have these fancy machines to do it, but this guy uses two sticks and the stick is close at one end and the two sticks are close at one end and farther apart at the other end. And he just rolls them down there and they fall into the appropriate size box. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. like it rolls down and then if the potato's small, yeah. it falls into this box. If it's bigger. And there's a good 
that make a good song, Jeff, but uh, we can't hear you right now other than just, uh, it's kind of weird. I, I don't know if we lost you on the cell tower or or maybe the, the someone from Thailand understood and threw a block into I, you. I, I think it's the Chinese Communist Party. That must be it. You know, they, they, I don't we know. Just, China, we lost um, about, we lost about a minute there. Chinese, We're still China, losing on my point, my, my end here. Rant about China and how... No. Uh, China's biggest commodity is people. No, not none of that, my okay. friend. Well, that's what it, it's okay. So, but it is a it is so China's biggest commodity is people. That's what they they've been using and abusing for the past God knows how many years. Because they what they've done is they they gave them uh, jobs just cheap labor, so that they could build up their manufacturing by uh, having us in the West pay for it. So we buy cheap Chinese goods, but they pay the people shit wages so they can go ahead and build up this infrastructure. Yeah, and uh, now it's changed. Yeah. Now it's changed, but it's partially our own fault because we we took advantage of those those poor workers too. And now they've got all the infrastructure, they got all the, the stuff to do stuff, and they basically now it's China for China. It's yeah. not China for the rest of the world. They can the rest of the world can piss off as far as they're concerned. Yeah, yeah, but the thing but, is too though, we didn't necessarily take advantage of it. Is industrialists. The one percent did because all our manufacturing jobs, not Walmart. all of our manufacturing, many of our manufacturing jobs were shipped over there. And of course, yeah, we buy cheap Chinese goods, but at the same time, we've lost our our manufacturing sector has been gutted, and that's the other thing that uh, has hurt us. It reminds me of a story about China when you're talking about the lack of innovation. Two stories come to mind back in the uh, 50s right after Mao took over the mainland one of the things they found was that they decided that they wanted to build their economy up and they looked at the countries with the highest GDPs and everything like that produce the most steel so they thought well if we become a major steel producer we'll catch up with all these people so what they did is they encouraged industry just to start making steel start making steel start making steel well they didn't have the techno technological know-how to make good steel they could make steel and everything like that but probably like, like titanic eight, steel yeah like yeah right exactly 18th century um quality so they went and they absolutely destroyed a lot of their local economies and caused famine because they were even encouraging the peasants who were the breadbasket of the country to start making steel. I actually saw a documentary and showing these propaganda videos of peasants and doctors, like a doctor treating a patient. And then he walks out behind his, his office and he's got a little tiny furnace where he's trying to make steel. Like, <laughs> and the other one is they, they realized or they thought that the birds were eating a disproportionate amount of fruit and vegetables on a lot of their farms. So like Jeff said, they rounded up thousands of people and all the collective farms. And what they did is they just kept disturbing the birds, disturbing the birds until they fell exhausted onto the ground because they had no place to land. And then they just took all the birds and ate them thinking that they destroyed the crop. But the reality was the birds were eating the insects in the crops. Hence a huge pest destruction of their crops and a resulting famine you talk about the lack of innovation in the country it's not the spirit of the people like the chinese people have been a society 
in a culture for 5,000 years, they've been destroyed by communism. That's not their culture. It's communism. I, I agree with what Jeff said, but it's the resident culture has been destroyed. And this is why they don't think they invented gunpowder for Christ, gunpowder for Christ's sakes. You know, rockets, noodles, a mil paper, a million tea. different things. Tea. Yeah. Tea. Yeah. I mean, they have an amazing. Are you a big tea, a tea drinker now, Jeff? <laughs> uh, I mix it up. You mix it up. They also day. invented. They, they invented COVID as well. <laughs> yeah, they did invent yeah. COVID. Well, you can you can thank the Chinese <laughs> Communist Party for that one. Yep. Maybe. Bastards. We actually yeah. don't know who actually invented it, but yeah. could have been Mother Nature. Yeah, could have been. But but getting back to the topic, you know, we we see the the influence of the Communist Party of China, what it's doing to the Chinese culture. We have to be worried over here is what is the Chinese Communist Party doing to the Canadian culture? I reference a report that I read about from referencing Global News from an article, uh, June 24th, 2020. CSIS made a comment about China, and they believe is Canada is a permissive target for China's interference. The former ambassador to China, David Mulroney was quoted as saying, China is the number one threat to Canada and has been for some time. Quote, unquote. So uh, if you look at it, look at it this way, you know, look at Vancouver. So they started, it started back in the nineties, uh, early nineties yeah. with During when, the transition uh, of Hong Kong. That's right. So a lot of the Hong Kong people, which, you know, they, they have the Hong Kong people have more money than the mainland Chinese people. And they came over and they drove up the house prices in Vancouver. They just kept driving them up and they're buying shit just to have a residence. And I know I was one of those people that lived here and I rented as a student, I rented a place off of a woman that bought the place and she didn't live there. She said, we'll give you cheap rent as long as you send my mail on towards to this address every month. So it was kind of like she was just trying to get a residence here. And she wanted to prove mm -hmm. it by having mail. So, but she gave it to some students that sort of go, okay, well, fuck, I'm, I'm poor. What am I going to do? You know, great. You sit there and you think, they drove up those prices. Now, there's a lot of places in the world where if you don't live here, if you're not from here, I should say, um, you can't buy land here. You can buy condos. Like Singapore, I can't buy a house. I can't buy land. I can only buy a condo. And that is, that's, and actually a lot of places in the world are like that. Iceland, uh, Denmark. Yeah. Uh, you know, they name the, a whole bunch of places and it makes a lot of sense because the people you know that the chinese basically have come into vancouver and and they've driven everything up uh price wise and that part of it and, and lee Kashing, what does he do he bought up all that land in the front of uh the bay and he built all these condos there and drove the prices up and he made a yeah. fortune off it. he bought he yeah. bought he bought he bought like all these acres in front of uh all along the the beaches and granted it was really shitty land but he bought it for 80 million bucks. And over the years, he sold it for 800 million over those uh, 10 years. Yeah, he did yeah. well. But you sit yeah. there. The thing is that these guys, one of the things I notice about the Chinese government, whether it's the Communist Party or whoever it is, they don't think like we do. They don't think in uh, two years or five years. They think in generations. Mm -hmm. So 
and it's something that we don't we don't really figure on we don't get yeah. it we don't we don't sit there we think about us now yeah a year two years down the road compared to maybe uh, even 100 years maybe down five road. Yeah. yeah yeah maybe five but, but we should also do a bit of discretion too. the fact is is that the initial investment in vancouver and bc from hong kong a lot of it was motivated by a lot of residents of hong kong concerned about the transfer of power from great britain to um mainland china a lot of them pushed the prices up here because they wanted to get their capital out of as much capital as they can out of hong kong in order to see what was going on with uh, the communists when they took over. And remember, remember, remember the, the famous slogan, you know, the, the communists are always great with their slogans, right? Where they said, uh, one country, two systems. Well, bull fucking shit, because you see what's going on in Hong Kong right now. And those people were smart to get their money the hell out of there. Yeah. Because I, I quote a study uh, report that CSIS and the RCMP did in 1997 called Sidewinder. 1997, they yep. accused uh, the Chaicoms of, you know, using uh, guys like uh, Lee Keqing, the actual triads and actual spies to influence and invest in Canada. And the list of companies that China has been buying in Canada are enormous. The oil. Yes. Right. One of the yeah, biggest. Bought, yeah. Nexan. Yeah. Nexan yeah. for $15 billion. They are one of the biggest investors in our oil sector. We have to they be also very, own very careful about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by, by coincidence, John Critchen ordered the, the, the contents of Sidewinder destroyed. I believe in 1999. Yes. You know, we see their influence every day. We see their growing belligerence. We see the back and forth with the Yahweh incident where we, uh, I I actually can't recall her name, the president of Yahweh. Uh, We should actually talk a little bit about that, what everybody knows about how that came about. Meng Wangzhu was her name, is her name. Yeah. The Americans asked us to arrest an extraditor, correct? Yeah, that was a, a ploy by Trump. He uh, he yes. wouldn't have put a screw into into Trudeau at the time. Yeah, and, and he fell for it. And he fell for it. He knew he was going to destroy uh, Canada's relationship with China by doing it. He caught them and uh, their their external affairs. And that happens to be our, our lucky... Uh, Deputy Prime Minister fell hook, line, and singer, uh, sinker for this, and she authorized that uh, that whole process to continue. And are you talking about the toe picking Smurf? Yeah, yeah. She uh, she she had a, a big thing like uh, after her comments about Trump all the time uh, that were going on. I guess he threw her a bone, all right. He kind of threw this whole thing out, had this whole set up, and she fell hook, line, and sinker for it and got us into this uh, position we are now with mm-hmm. uh, caught between two organizations, two countries, uh, between the United States and China and our own legal system. Yeah, and uh, interesting strategy and I think if I was uh, a part of the American uh, leadership, I'd be very concerned about China's influence in Canada. 
they have enough problems with China's influence in the United States right now. But as Italy used to be the soft underbelly of Europe, Canada's the soft, uh, of, yeah, soft forehead of uh, North America. An in interesting note is, I think it actually too was when Stephen Harper was prime minister, they entered an agreement with the Chinese government of bringing over their own guest workers. So not only are they taking over our industries and businesses, they, they're able to bring over their own employees, our own citizens as employees of their country, of their companies and working there. It even goes down to they're allowed to bring their own security. Yeah. And the security is uh, Chinese military. Yes. So we actually... I saw there's, there's just recently a post on, uh, I believe it was a Rebel News, that showed a video of the Chinese military doing PT runs on Victoria Avenue, uh, Victoria Island in out, out where Jeff is right now, out that way. And there's a, a whole basic platoon of Chinese military in military uniforms doing a, a, a jog down through uh, Victoria. Yeah. You know, so nice. we have that going on. And then this tit for tat, like you mentioned the two Michaels right at the beginning of trumped up charges against Canadians, just as a tit for tat uh, diplomatic thing. And I think that really shows their absolute belligerence towards other countries where they have absolutely no respect for sovereignty or honest international relations. And we should take that as a warning. Good points. Very good points. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I don't think they give a shit about Canada except for its minerals. It's like every other country that they can exploit and they've done it and we've let them do it. The only people kind of stopping it, the U.S. was, maybe the U.S. threw us into it. I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if Trump set him up like that or just, just really hard. I'm not sure. But uh, we definitely should be worried about it. Like they're, they're effectively taking over. Yeah. And, I yeah. see, I see there's a report by uh, uh, Yahoo uh, Finance. They said that actually today uh, Canada effectively moved to block uh, China's Huawei uh, 5G in Canada. Who did? This was coming from Canada Finance, Yahoo Canada Finance. Canada's the only member of the Five Eyes intelligence sharing network that has not formally blocked Huawei uh, from 5G network, but has effectively done just that, delaying a decision long enough to force telecom companies to exclude the Chinese gear maker. So again, that's our liberal government by acting by not making a decision is in effect making a decision, which is actually a positive decision for uh, in blocking uh, Huawei from the 5G network. Trudeau is Canada's quizzling. Yeah, he's, they're too scared to make he's a decision a, on it, and the decision was made by time. Yeah, and he's a disgraceful fucking traitor. That's all I've got to say about the man. Do you know also that yeah. the, federal gov the federal government awarded a Chinese security company a contract for security for 197 of our embassies around the world 
And one of the other competitors was a Canadian company that put in a bid $1.2 million lower. And they went with the, they went with a Chinese company. The Chinese company. That's right. And that was on all the, the scanners and things like that in all the airports. Eh? Oh, I know. I know. It's like, you know, they're finding about like TikTok, how TikTok is bringing all people's personal information back to mainland China. Yeah. Well, there's just, uh, I don't know if you've been following the news on Nortel was uh, hacked uh, just in the last couple of days. From the tracing and review of it, it came back that it was being hacked by the Chinese army. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. They, they, they actually, um, there was a, a hack uh, originating uh, in China that hacked the records of uh, millions of veterans in the United States. Now, why would they want the personal records of millions of veterans in the United States. What's the point of that? No, you can guess why. Taking names, basically, which is absolute. What's that? Sit on health. Maybe they want their health records. Yeah. Why would they want their health records? Well, just to see how the army's faring, I guess. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely spying. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much more evidence do we need about their belligerence before somebody takes this and puts them back in their place? Which we can. We don't need anything from them. Of course, right now, of course we do, because we've given them everything of our manufacturing in pharmaceuticals and products and things like that. You can't buy anything in this country without a made in China stamp on it. We could turn that around. I think it's our strategic in our strategic interest as an independent sovereign country to reverse that. That sounds good, Todd. But the, the only uh, thing I, I, we get to is we have that uh, Chinese factory worker making 20 cents an, uh, an hour to make uh, Nike shoes. And are we going to, are we willing to pay a, a, a factory worker here in Canada 20 cents to make Nike shoes? Well, the thing is, is that, you know, working in manufacturing has changed so much is the fact that with automation, you know, the price of energy and things like that, uh, that difference is, is quite a bit less. The only, the, the, the biggest reason why they're doing that is not necessarily the cost of the product. It's the profit of the manufacturer. And in a way, I can't necessarily blame some of the manufacturers because of our repressive tax regime in this country. So we're kind of giving it to ourselves in both ends, right? We are, why are, why are our wages so high? Well, our fucking taxes is so high, you know? So if we had, we're, we're working on a fair tax regime and conservative government spending, the limited welfare benefits that encourage people to get off their ass and work, uh, (laughs) the cost of our products would go down. And then we would have a higher tax base because we'd have more people working at productive jobs rather than flipping hamburgers. People are lazy, Todd. Well, you know what? Being hungry is a good motivator. It's a great motivator. And uh, if you get it for free... Yeah. Get food for free. Yeah. 
because I've been, you know, we were, we were talking about moving to another, another topic eventually for another show on our finances. I'll just have a little statistic for you guys to just show you where we're headed. Is that since in the last four years, our government debt has increased 75%. Our GDP has grown 14%. The people understand is that if you increased your debt in four years, 75%, but only increased your salary 14%, and that trend continues, what do you think is going to happen? Well, um, depends if you buy money outside of Canada. If you have to buy stuff outside of Canada. You keep it local, it doesn't matter as much. No, but I think the, one of the challenges, Todd, though, is these guys spent way over their budget on this COVID response. Without thinking, they threw lots of money. So, I don't know. That, that, all, kind of all bets are off, in my view, with uh, respect to all the different, uh, what's going to happen to the economy. All the economies are going to better. <laughs> so, there we are. We're in a position where we're spending ourselves poor. And we're letting a communist, belligerent government come in with that is absolutely cash flush, buying our businesses and industries and getting control of our economic and political agenda. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, you know, we have welfare and stuff, right? You know, this guy walked into the welfare office office to pick up the check because he had no fixed address, right? So he walks into the counter and says, hi, you know, I just hate drawing welfare. I'd really rather have a job in the social worker behind the counter. He goes, well, your timing's excellent. We got a job opening here from a wealthy old man who wants a chauffeur and a bodyguard for his beautiful daughter. You have to drive around in a Mercedes and, and he'll supply all your clothes. And because of long hours, he gives you meals as well. And uh, you'll expect to escort the daughter on her overseas holidays and to the beach and everything else. And you'll be pride of a two-bedroom apartment above our garage, above the garage and a salary of about $200,000 a year. The guy, wide-eyed, you know, he's going, holy crap. He says, you're lying, and the social worker. He said, yeah, well, you started it. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, what I see a lot now, too, and just this is anecdotal, of course, but Angie and I were out today doing something and we pulled up to a traffic light. How many times do you pull up to a traffic light now where there's somebody there begging? Yeah, it's, it's, it's happening quite more, a lot more often now. And these there's, people uh, aren't in, in St. They're not drunks about, and they're not drug addicts. There's about four different locations in St. Catharines they, they set up in all the time. I know that. Yeah. Are they drunks? Are nope. they drug addicts? No, they're not. No. People are hurting. And the stupidest statement yeah. out of Trudeau's mouth I've heard in, uh, in his, I mean, and there's lots of them, is we took on this debt so Canadians don't have to. Are you kidding me? Does he get it? That realize that every penny a government spends more than it takes in and accumulates debt? that the citizens of this country will pay for it one way or the other, either they're, through higher they're, taxes. They're paying or... so you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That is a pretty stupid statement. When you sit there and you think, hang on, that's our money. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I think a good point for you to share some of your experiences that we've gone to some of these countries where inflation is rampant and they, their, their currency is just going in the toilet, what it's like. Well, um, I think it's great because... You know, yeah, you're coming in with American dollars, right? So I remember going in when the RAND dropped, and it was dropping really fast. And I went, went there, it went down nine, uh, nine times uh, in uh, like a month. And I walked in there, and, and everything was basically 10% of which is the price you usually pay for it. Yeah. Because the price hasn't stabilized yet. It was awesome. You know, yeah, I'll have another lobster, sure. Because uh, it was nothing to me. You know, it was great because... Your, your money's, and this is what the guy said. You know, I, I said to him, Can I, I want to take some nice wine home. And he goes, uh, Okay, well, and it's, a, it's a wine store. And I said, Give me uh, something that's decent. And he brings it back, and it's I'm like, This costs four bucks. And he goes, Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, I'll tell you, give me something that, a little bit more. You bring it up a bit. And he goes, Okay, so he brings it back, and it's 10 bucks. I'm like, He says, What's the most expensive thing you got in the store? And he goes, This one, it's uh, like, 35 bucks he goes you realize that that's like a 500 bottle dollar bottle of wine and you're oh, buying yeah. it because you can you're buying it because you can as you're right. walking in here with your your american well you're, i was american money then but um i was british money then and you walk in there with a the pound and you go sure it's great so oh, yeah. I, I understand that they, like that was just one example the the, but the yeah. chinese are coming into it too. i was in i was in south africa in 1991 and i was in durban and i was at a, a bachelor party at a, held at a bar and the bar was just had normal patrons in it and there's probably 20 25 people in this bar and i bought a round of drinks for the entire bar and i think it cost me it ended up to be about 15 dollars canadian yeah yeah <laughs> it was crazy well is it the, the problem is that you, you know you go there and it's it's not it's not alone you go to malaysia that happened to malaysia when their currency dumped uh, a couple of years ago and that was basically because of the, their uh, their guy being so corrupt, their president or whatever the hell he is, being so corrupt, taken off with a bunch of couple of hundreds of millions of dollars. But anyway, their, their their price went same thing. Their currency went down to shit, and so we just all scooted over to Malaysia because golf was cheap. <laughs> that was cheap to go there. It was spectacularly cheap. That is uh, great. You guys sound like a great pair of uh, fucking vultures. But <laughs> <laughs> the, problem, the problem is not that all of us, everybody's like that. So no, I was, I'm just on my bicycle headed oh, okay. for dinner. Well, you know what? Here, here's the solution. Park your goddamn bike. <laughs> well, I, it is a good, it's a very good solution. The, the problem is that I was supposed to be at Tracy's for dinner. I know that oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're screwing so, you're screwing our whole podcast up. Is that that's what? <laughs> well, so you're the, trying the to make it was, to Tracy's for dinner. Yeah, I am. So she, yeah. As we were talking, I thought, okay, I got till six, and then she said, no, you don't have till six because she has to start work after that. So I thought, okay, uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay. But anyway, it was either that. Just to get Although yeah. it could be later. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're losing you a little bit there on, on that thing, but 
we got a lot on the, the tape right now. Uh, we're doing, mm-hmm. doing it for a lot of good information there. Welfare. Can you imagine, uh, you know, like, I know it's, it gets pretty bad sometimes, some of the welfare stuff, but you know, uh, the guy, you heard the one about the lady, she goes into a welfare uh, uh, for child benefits. Mm-hmm. And she goes in, the, the welfare officer says, how many children? And, and she replies, 10. And she goes, oh, what are their na- names? And she says, Nathan, 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 and Nathan. He, he says, well, doesn't that get confusing? And she says, nah, it's uh, not at all. He says, it's great because you call him for dinner. You just yell out the window, Nathan, dinner is ready. And, and Nathan, go to bed, and they all do it. And he says, but what if you have to speak them to them individually? So the mother looked at the, the, the welfare worker and said, well, that's, that's easy. We just call them by their surnames. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Okay. Oh, yeah, Finally, good. I mean, he got me cackling. <laughs> that was good. That was, yeah. yeah that was, uh... <laughs> good one. Good one. So. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, obviously, she has ten brothers. But, uh, but, oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Especially. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Right? oh. oh. That hurt. We're gonna hear about that one. Yeah, we'll hear We're about that one. Feedback so, on it. Yeah. So uh, the other day, uh, someone said uh, I didn't hear from my sister. She's on, been on that fourteen day uh, the quarantine too. So I was going to go over, and then someone said, "Well." why don't you just send the police over to do a welfare check? And I said, well, why, why do that? She usually gets those in the mail. <laughs> Does your sister listen to the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's terrible. But... Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't do Facebook. Yeah. Too scary. Too scary. You know what? The I only thing is good for us you know, that? was it you guys I was talking was it you guys I was talking to that um on Facebook I was I was talking to a friend of mine about Belgium and then we went on my Facebook to do something because I don't ever go on it but went on there and there's all these fucking ads for Belgian hotels yeah I was, sitting there going, I was yeah. just talking about it I didn't have anything right. my cell phone was here mm-hmm. I thought those guys are listening yeah yeah I, oh, I did sure. a Google search on uh building a shed uh, on YouTube, then I went on Facebook, and I had about four or five advertisements on uh, shed building. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. See, that's that. That I that I understand because you're typed in stuff into Google, and Google and Facebook are like yeah, hand bum hand. fuck buddies, right? Yeah. Well, mouth and ass kind of thing, but um, mm. but the <laughs> but the um, your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta get you gotta get into the cinnamon donut, my friend. Tongue, tongue punch, yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> well, we'll, punch. we'll be cutting that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the the thought that they're listening to your phone call and they actually listen to you talking around your phone, and you yeah. say the word Belgium, and all of a sudden uh, there's a lot of ads is, for Belgian hotels is, and shit. Is that is that why uh, Todd Alls gets those links to the child porn sites? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm hey, did that you see? Uh, talking about that was, that was uh, pushing it. Yeah. Talking about pedophiles and that. Did you see the the guy in um, Wisconsin that shot t- the three guys? Yeah, he got no. three criminals. He got a a wife beater. He killed. Yeah, and uh, and a child predator. 
the child predator. And then, yeah. and then the other guy, sh- the guy that tried to shoot him and yeah. he blew his arm away was uh, a convicted felon. It was on conditions not to possess any firearms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we call him lefty because yeah. he's going to be lefty for life. That's man. for sure. Well, that was Did a you good see that, that shot of the AR splattering oh, yeah. his arm? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the head of the film an- that's Antifa's finest. We should do a show on Antifa. Yeah, we should do something like this. And so there's this prostitute went to a, a colleague in the hospital and she was about to have a heart transplant, Jesus. right? And she's concerned with her friend's welfare. And she said to the surgeon, what's going to, you know, you're going to perform the operation, but she's worried about her friend. And what if, what if her body rejects the, the organ? And the, the doctor says, well, she's 34 and she's healthy outside of her heart. Uh, how long has she been in the business and as a prostitute? And her friend said, well, she's been working as a prostitute since 18 and she's 34 now. But what's that got to do with any, anything? And the doctor says, well, if she's working for 16 years and hasn't rejected an organ, I don't think she's about to start now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, there it is. Terrible. There, That's it all is. It. there it is, right? Exactly. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And she, oops. Yeah. No. <laughs> what Done, like so I think we got, we got uh, a lot of good information uh, on our little broadcast here right now. Maybe we could save it for another one. Yeah, we can uh, – yeah. if you want to go on to a different topic or – or do you want to carry on with China right now? Yeah, I was, what I was thinking, like I'm doing my, uh, I don't know what it is. It's not a PAL test or whatever it is. The Yeah, for non-restricted. For, yeah, yeah, it's a non-restricted PAL test. an acquisition test. license. So it's, um, it's on the 8th of September. So once I get through that, I'll have a lot more idea about what goes on and why you guys want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll have to do it myself. Well, that, that that's, would be interesting because – it's too bad you couldn't do your PAL and your uh, non-restricted or your restricted at the same time because they're, they're basically hand in hand. Like 85% of the questions on the restricted tests are the same questions from the, the non-restricted. Yeah. Like, I, 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 it's, just, it's just timing, Craig. Yeah. The, 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 so they're just opening up these tests now as, as uh, starting in uh, the end yeah. of August and September. They're yeah. just opening them up. And then the guy said to me, they got a huge backlog of people. Yeah, and he said. And so they're they're basically trying to get through the the, the non-restricted the pod, first, yeah. and then oh, do okay. the restricted. And and but I figured that if I go on the eighth, I might be able to have my gun license by the time we go up north. So at uh, least I can use. Uh, probably not. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, you know what I do? If you know what I I do if I was you, Jeff. What? Ask the guy. The guy. If you can challenge the, the the restricted, challenge the test. Yeah, challenge the test for the restricted when you're there. So do the non-restricted first, and then challenge yep. the the restricted. And I bet you you'll pass. Well, all I have to do yeah. is get the manuals, right? Yeah. The- well, I I was telling you the other night. I have it on my iPad. You can yeah. download a the Canadian Restricted Firearms course, and it yeah. has all all the test questions, and you just keep really? going through it one by one by one, and you can do all the the written exam questions. Get you know get on top of those, 
And then you just need to do some practical. The, the yeah. only problem you might run into is um, dealing with single action and double action revolvers. Really, the, the safety procedures are, are all the same, you know, when it comes That's down to how to pull the mag out first, then you rack mm-hmm. it a couple of times, you check the barrel, check the mag, and then you put, and they want you to look down up from the, the, the nasty end of the barrel, look down the tube. Which I think it's totally which is, retarded. It's totally retarded, but you got to do it for the test. Yeah. Uh, but I really? never do it in real. Yeah, I'm serious. I, I wouldn't kid you. They want you to that. look down the barrel of the gun. Yeah. Like, like put the gun to your looking down the barrel after you with the action with the action open. Yeah, with the action open. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's kind of like against every rule there is, isn't it? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. It is. and pretty much. That's that's what I can't understand either. But that's literally one of the the parts of the test. I totally disagree with it. But that's that, that's they're gonna you'll lose a mark if you don't do that. Yeah. Well, look at it. Look at it this way. You you you're looking down the barrel of a semi-auto, and oh my God, they're still around chambered. And then the action closes <laughs> while you're looking down the barrel because the action could slip, right? Yeah. Well, I don't see why you can't look at the, uh, in the action when it's open. Why you can't see it? You can't see it? My idea like, is looking at... Not necessarily. When the action's open, looking up the barrel to see if there's anything obstructing the barrel or any rounds in the barrel, that's good enough for me. But again, because the test, you're going to have to look down that stoop barrel. And that's where I lost marks when I did the testing. They, the guy said, if you do that three more times, you're going to fail. I go, what? what? He says, you're not looking down the barrel. I go, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, I'll look down the stupid barrel. But yeah, and never you know where I was, to- I was joking about how to cross a fence line? Like sh- uh, slinging the rifle and then rolling over the fence and coming up on a knee? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, yeah. Why, that's not a joke. That's what happened. <laughs> that's the way I described it. Tactical? <laughs> Uh, that's the way you do it on tactical, right? You, you come up, yeah. you, you, you just roll over the fence, you're down, and then you're down on the ground, you, and you unsling the rifle, and you come up on, you know, and then you scan, and then you once you you, you stop, you move off again. But I guess yeah, because, what you're supposed to do is unload the rifle. Yeah, lay it either. Check it, it for over, safe, yeah. right? Check it for safe. Do the old look down the barrel thing again. Put it on the other side of the fence. Climb over the fence. Check the, the firearm that there's no obstructions in the barrel. Check it again for safe, then reload it, and then be on your merry way again. And that's going to be one of your questions on the non-restrictive uh, test. The non-restricted test. Yeah, the non-restrictive. They're going to ask you that. Yeah, and you know, to hunt, too, you got to take a hunter safety course after that, too, right? Well, you can buy your freedoms. Way to go, Trudeau. So you can... You, so I get this thing done, and then I have to do a hunter safety course, and then I can hunt. And do I kind of hunt? Do I have to do different tests for different animals? Why is that uh, the case where an American can come up here with a, a shotgun or a rifle and just get a hunting tag and go 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 to it? Sort of like a native? No, just a regular U.S. citizen. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like a native. Yeah, they can shoot and hunt wherever and they don't they, they want don't have a when, pal they don't have anything they just no they come they, up here they can and hunt they can even hunt with a fucking ar yeah yeah that really pisses angie off she just told me that if the, you work for canada post you can get a week off and, Good podcast. Uh, yeah we'll see what we can uh, turn this into and it should be interesting yeah yeah all right okay all right. take care see you okay, guys. guys you have been listening to the canadian beacon podcast 
We would love to hear your comments or suggestions. Please email us at cbpodcast at code or follow us on Facebook under the Canadian Beacon.